continues his uh, discourse to the Jewish people. This week's parsha of Shofti. There's a very central theme uh, that Moshe introduces, and that is the theme regarding Losikach Shochat. Do not uh, corrupt yourself. Um, take bribes. Now, uh, Shochad is omnipresent in the world because it comes in uh, different levels, different nuances, and many times it's not even recognizable. The greater a person is, the more likely that person is to be able to recognize Shochad. So, for instance, the Talmud tells us that the great uh, Amora Mar Shmuel, who was the, the judge, the Dayan, the Rav, to Rosh Hashiva and Ardoa, Ardoa was one of the main Jewish cities in Bovel. At the time of uh, Shmuel, Nardo, and Sura were the two main centers. Later on, it became Sura and Pumpadita. There are cities on the uh, Tigris, around the Euphrates, and uh, to a great extent, they were Jewish cities, meaning that the Jews were not the majority population. But the Jews had a great influence in the cities themselves, much as uh, one time Jews in New York did, or other uh, foreign cities in the world that had a large Jewish population, Warsaw, Vilna, etc. So Shmuel was the head of the Beth in, in Ardoyle. The Gemara tells us that one day Shmuel was walking our dog, but since it was on the river, had bridges that crossed the river. The bridges apparently were very narrow. And uh, Shmuel wanted to cross from one side of the river to the other. And a Jew saw him, and the Jew made way for him. So to speak, he gave up his turn to cross so that the Rav, Shmuel, the Dayan, would cross first. Later in the day, uh, Shmuel noticed that this man came before him in a dintora, in a manner that had to be judged. And Shmuel recused himself. He took himself off from judging 
because he said that he had received shochet from this person. What was the shochet? He let the rov go first. So uh, by most people, that would not be considered shochet. If I would be cynical enough, I would say even by most rabbonim, it would be considered shochet. the entitlement of altars. But uh, bribery uh, is a very, very uh, sophisticated and delicate matter. And uh, many of the uh, great uh, rabbis in our history have remarked that the whole world is mishuchat. There's a corruption that exists in human society that almost cannot be eradicated. So there's a direct corruption. There's no question. You know, I want my permit to go through. I pay you 5,000 shekel. It goes through. So that's uh, open shokhat. Even though... I will say uh, I'm entitled to my permit anyway. But I don't want all the uh, bureaucratic mess that goes with it. I want to expedite it. So I pay the man to do it. But I'm not bribing him to do something wrong. So that people think that somehow that type of corruption is acceptable. And that's what the Post teaches us. Shochad blinds the eyes of other people who could usually see. They don't see it anymore. I'm entitled to the permit. I'm not building illegally. I'm not doing anything wrong. So I'm blind to the fact that I'm corrupt. And that's why it says, Vizalev divet tzadikim. My friend Professor Tversky used to always say, doesn't say Vizalev divet rishoyim. That it somehow perverts the words of evil people. It perverts the words of the righteous. The righteous now, so we, uh, you know, we're all victim of this. There are a lot of things that we have to say today that we really don't believe. Not only don't believe, that may be completely opposite to what we do believe. And we're righteous people, but I don't want to start up. I don't want that, uh, you know, they should jump on me, they should cancel me, they should do whatever. So it takes the words of the righteous and falsifies them so that they cannot be believed either. So there are so many levels of this uh, in human society. Sometimes I mentioned now, there's a level of what will others say? 
uh, will it harm my business? Will it affect uh, somehow my family or standing? <coughs> so all of those are more subtle. They're not blatant shochat. They're not, I'm giving you 5,000 shekel to do something. But because of prevailing circumstances in society, etc., I'm, uh, so to speak, lowering my colors. I'm behaving differently than I want to behave. Now, Chazal always pointed out that the greatness of our father Avraham and mother Sora was the fact that they were not influenced by that type of shocha. And the classic example is the Akedah. We're going to uh, study it on Rosh Hashanah. So the, the Medrash uh, has uh, a conversation between the Sotan and Avraham Avinu on the way to the Akedah. And the Sotan, which is, Sotan lives within us. Everybody has their own Sotan. And the Sotan says to Avraham Avinu, listen, look what you accomplished your entire life. You brought uh, thousands of people to monotheism. The Miri says in his uh, introduction to Avos that Avram Avinu brought uh, a majority of his society to uh, discard Avodazora and to have a concept of monotheism. So look what you accomplished. And you are known as the Amuda Chesed. If there is a good person in the world, it's Avram Avinu and Sora. If there's any place you need a meal, you need shelter, you need a helping hand, it's the, the address is Avram and Sora. There's the tent open to all four directions. Anyone can come in. So now you're going to take your son and you're going to murder him. And you're going to say that your God told you to do this. After teaching us for all of these years that God is merciful, that God uh, does not demand the impossible, that God uh, is beneficial to human beings. So with this one act, you're going to undo everything that you accomplished. That's what the Sultan tells Avram. And the, the Medrash says that Avram is shaken by this. Yet, he goes through with it. So at the end, nothing happens. Al Tishlach Yotcho Lanar, 
Don't touch him. Don't touch him. And now I know that you're it. You had faith in me. So I'm going to build the world from you. In effect, God tells him, you were not subject to this corruption. The corruption of saying, what will everybody else say? What will the world think? One of the great uh, issues throughout the Jewish history has always been, it's raised in the debates between the the Christian church and the uh, the rabbis of the Middle Ages, especially in Spain. It's also raised in the uh, works of Islam. You want to tell me that a billion people are wrong and that the 15 million are right? You want to tell me the whole world doesn't know what they're doing? And not only that, I'll show you what kind of world it is. A world of art and philosophy and drama and technology and civilization. So Chazal also phrased it in their own inimitable fashion. They said in If someone comes and tells you that there is civilization in the world, there's wisdom, there's knowledge, there's a Sorbonne, there's Oxford, there's Harvard. Tamin, believe them. Don't say Sigornish, it's nothing. No no value. You're not allowed to say that. Tamin. It's true. But Torah Bagoyim al But if you think that somehow that makes them right, that their moral code is correct, that their beliefs are accurate, al Don't believe that. It's not true. One thing has nothing to do with the other. That's a form of corruption. What will they say? You're a billion people. Who cares what they say? I'll tell me. Doesn't change what is. And to the lasting credit of the Jewish people, and it's it is the and the basic cause of anti-Semitism and of all of the everything that has happened to us over the thousands of years of our existence. is because uh, somehow our existence itself challenges the rest of the world. And therefore uh, calls a lot of things into question. So that's a form of corruption. You want to be like everybody else. That's why uh, Chazal emphasized uh, 
rules of dress and of speech and of uh, external behavior. So the rest of the world can mock us. But that mockery is a form of corruption if you give in to it. If somehow you're weakened by it. And that's a great challenge, a great struggle. It's been the main struggle of the Jewish people over all of the ages. And we see that the the rest of the world attempts always to impose its value system, its educational system, its curriculum, its way of life upon us. So you won't have a choice. And they do it in the name of uh, great and exalted good. But that's a form of shochet. And it perverts us. It makes us uh, what we are not. And so that story of Avram at the Akedah has to be seen in this light as well as a resistance to Shochad. The Shochad that the rest of the world will say. So to speak, you're denying yourself. That's why Chazal counted it by Avram Avinu. It says, Asores Nisionos Nisasa Avram Avinu Veomad Bekulo. He was tested ten times. Every time is the same test, though. It's in a different form. But it's the same test. He's uh, childless, he has no progeny. So uh, how's he going to continue this idea? It's going to pass away with him. Oh, he has a son, Yishmael. Look at that guy. He's the most wild animal in the world. Yorobakol, Viad Kolbo. He's going to be the example. So Avram is always faced with the same challenge. That everything that's demanded of him apparently is contradictory to what he has accomplished or wants to accomplish. And that's the struggle against Shochet, against being Meshuchet, against somehow having a resistance factor, an immunity to the outside pressures that exist. Because of the fact that this bar of shochad is set so high, so it becomes almost impossible to have judges that somehow are not 
part of it. Any rabbi will tell you that if there's a dispute between two congregants, he should not become involved. Let him go. That's why the Lord created other rabbis. Because whatever he does is wrong. But unfortunately, it happens many times that it becomes unavoidable. And then you have the problem. The rabbi's contract is going to come up. All sorts of issues. So it's not direct shokhat at all. But it's... uh, the shokhat that is insidious that eats at us uh, that makes us uh, so uncomfortable with ourselves So Chazal saw this also as a psychological problem. And the problem of ego. We think many times that disputes are about money. In my experience, they rarely are about money. It's about ego. About me. What I'm entitled to. life experience I've seen disputes within families that a father passed away and he left an awful lot of money there's enough money there that every heir can take an equal share and go home and live the rest of one's life without financial worry But does that happen? I want this and I want that. My father meant that I should have this. In fact, that Chazal said that uh, because of these things that are so common, uh, one should die penniless. Give it all away. Where it says on, uh, that uh, they told Rabbi Yochanan that his chavrusa, uh, his brother-in-law, Rabbi Lokish, passed away. Rabbi Yochanan asked, uh, did he leave anything? So they said, yes, he left over a pot of vegetables. So he said, oy vey, I thought he was smarter than that. Says to leave wealth to others. Therefore, Chazal always looked at these things. Make a pshora. Take a compromise. Compromise is very bruising to the ego, because in a compromise, one automatically says, "I'm not a hundred percent right." 
And since the whole argument usually is that I'm 100% right, so it's very hard to admit that I'm not 100% right, which is what a compromise demands of me. Yet uh, the halacha is uh, that the, uh, every compromise in the world should be attempted before going to uh, full judgment. Because full judgment rarely brings about a truly equitable and lasting settlement. It keeps on going. The tragedy many times in family is that it is generational. I know cousins that are still fighting over the altar Zeta. They don't even know what they're fighting about. They just know it's a mitzvah to hate the other cousins. So that's pure ego. That has nothing to do with the issue involved. So that's the form of shocha that the Torah warns us against. The Torah does not tell us that we will be able to perfect ourselves to eliminate it. The Torah just wants us to be aware of it. And simply being aware of it gives one pause. That was the idea that always existed in the Jewish world. That when a person has a dilemma as to what to do or what to say, he went to ask a wise man for advice. Why? Because the wise man, in a good state, is not guilty of shochad on this issue. He's an outsider. So he's not affected by it. There were many times uh, that the halacha brings that you're not allowed to even reveal the name of the outsider that is giving you advice or settling the matter. Because if you do that, so then again you open it up to shochan. So when the Torah says simple things... Uh, life is very complicated. There rarely is a simple answer to anything in life. Moshe, this entire discourse of Humish Dvarim deals with human beings, with human life. What is involved here? And therefore, uh, it's a... Uh, lesson, an ongoing lesson in human behavior and what the Torah demands from us and the level that we should set for ourselves. So we always read these parshas before Rosh Hashanah in the month of Elul because they're meant to concentrate our mind on ourselves and on how, what we are and what we can be and even if we fall short, but at least we know, at least there's there's a clarity as to what should be. And oftentimes in life that itself is sufficient.
So thank you for coming and have a great Shabbat. Next week we're still on, so uh, we hope to see you. Call to Shabbat Shalom. Use the compromise today. I mean, the uh, vaccine. We're a hundred percent right. A hundred percent right. They, they say we're proved. Who's a hundred percent right about anything? There's two sides. Of the
guess she didn't make it to the bus stop. Errol. Errol. I guess she didn't make it.